Welcome one and all to episode 110 of the original Draft Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Cox. With me tonight, my co-host, Justin Higdon. And Justin, the 2021 NFL Draft has come and gone. Uh, it is finished, and we have takes from all over the place. Yeah, now we're going to run it down. I mean, we, if you want to go back, we ran, we reviewed the first round on uh, Patreon last Thursday night. So if you want to check out our first round takes, you can go back to the Patreon show. Again, that's uh, $2 a month to get access to those shows. We do one a week, every Thursday or Friday. And uh, that one will have our rundown of all 32 first round picks. And we'll also start to get into early, early 2022 draft stuff on the site in the coming month as we just kind of get players listed out there. That'll be under the $4 patron um, a month access. So, but let's get started. The 2021 NFL draft coming on. Um, what, I mean, just from the larger overview, what is, what's your takeaway from this draft? Well, we were hearing over and over again that the NFL thinks this was, this is a bad draft. Like, there were fewer prospects in this draft than normal years because of the COVID situation and because of the extra eligibility that the NCAA granted. So we saw a lot of players that decided to turn around and take advantage of that extra year and go back. And, and I'm not sure how that's going to serve them long-term because next year's draft in 2022 is going to have a lot of players that are 24, 25 years old, but that's, that's the way it shakes out. So we have, I, by some estimations, a little bit like about half as many prospects in this draft in the 600s uh, as opposed to, to a normal draft. So the question I think is like, was it really a bad draft? Yes or no? And I think there are a lot of, in some ways, I think it was a good draft. But in other ways, I think it really did shake out uh, like the NFL thought it would. But I think some of that's their own fault, if that makes sense. And I think uh, we'll get into that in a little bit. You hit the nail on the head on the 2022 picks and, and kind of wanting to get as many of those as possible. Um, let's start with round two of the 2021 NFL draft. And after the first round, which we discussed on the patron, um, five quarterbacks went in the first round. Then you didn't have one until the very last pick of round two. From there, we had two more very quickly taken in round three before it went dead silent again until late in the draft when uh, Ian Book was selected late. Uh, what, what do you make of the basically lack of this class right and and i think book went in the fourth round of new orleans and then after him nobody with no quarterbacks were picked so that's kind of unusual a lot of times you see teams take flyers late later on we'll talk more about the day two quarterbacks plus book on on our patreon episode actually later this week but i You've got five quarterbacks going in the first round. You've got five starting quarterbacks, presumably because they're first round picks. 
And that's the most, I think, since 1999. That's the one I remember. I do know 1983 has the record with six first-round quarterbacks. So in that respect, that's a good draft, right? You have you have uh, the number one overall pick, number two, number three, all being quarterbacks. Uh, somebody trades up to 11. The Bears trade up to 11 for Justin Fields. And then at 15, Mac Jones falls right in, right to New England, who needed a quarterback. So th- right there, you have five quarterbacks in the top 15. But you, like you said, now it's thinned out. After those five quarterbacks, it's just completely thinned out where you only have Trask, Mond, Mills, and Book the rest of the way. So only nine quarterbacks get picked. Um, I think the other one of the other signs that this is a very thin draft is that you have a tight end and Kyle Pitts go in the top five. So And then we have no defensive players in the first seven picks. I think they said that was a record or tied a record. And the first pick you have there uh, on defense is J.C. Horn. You have no defensive ends picked until pick 18. It's extremely unusual for edge rushers to fall that far. And, and you have no defensive ends picked until the 18th pick and not a single defensive tackle in the first round. So I think those all, it's a top-heavy draft. You've got some very, very good prospects at the top, and then it thins out fast, and it left us really uh, as early as day two going, who, you know, why are they picking these guys this early? When you look at the the defensive players in this draft, it, it was something that we discussed quite a bit that it was likely that this was going to be very light early in the first round. And then it was going to kind of run. And, and we saw that on day two. Um, when you look at some of the way things played out, do you think that was because teams didn't get maybe the same availability to the prospects when it comes to medicals? I feel like this is the year that we heard more and more about we're worried about X, Y, or Z on a player than we have in the past. For sure. The, the medical thing was, was a common pattern. I think that's probably one of the things that affected the way that certain teams felt about Justin Fields when we found out late in the, in the process that he had been dealing with epilepsy during his lifetime something that didn't affect him in college, but something that apparently probably still made some teams uneasy. And we saw in normal years, you have the combine, which is has a ton of medical checks. And then you have the medical recheck where everyone goes back. Well, this time. And and, and there was a ton of guys that missed medical rechecks this year. A ton. Right. I mean, well, there was no initial check, I guess, other than maybe, maybe some pro day info. And then there was the medical recheck, which was um, supposed to be 150 guys. But like you said, it, it didn't pan out that way. Um, so it's, it's kind of weird because it seems like other than Caleb Farley, who went 22nd to the Tennessee Titans, and we talked, we've talked a lot about his back injury on previous shows. Um, other than him, it seems like people really felt uncomfortable and a lot of good players fell to the point where we're seeing – uh, players picked ahead of them that leaves us kind of scratching our heads. Uh, Ter- Terrace Marshall goes in the second round to Carolina. 
behind some other receivers that we thought he he was probably better than. And then even uh, Tevin Jenkins goes in the second round to the Bears when we thought he was going to be a a first-round pick. They've got him penciled in to start at left tackle. But there were medical issues that teams felt uncomfortable about. And it's even more extreme in cases like uh, Andre Sisco. We knew he had to torn ACL. He falls to the third round. I thought that was a good a good pickup by Jacksonville. And then you have uh, Talano Hufanga falling. Even though he played this year, he falls all the way to sixth round, I think, to San Francisco, fifth or sixth round, because of past shoulder injuries. And you got Trey Smith, the guard from Tennessee, very talented offensive lineman. And he goes all the way to seventh round to Kansas City. So it, it seemed that some guys the league felt easier about than others, but they felt very uneasy about about many of these medical issue guys. And it created a situation where you have a lot of, I think, head-scratching second and third round picks. And I'll let you... Uh, you know, add on that, but I want to I want to circle back because I have I want to talk about the All Star game. Yeah, I mean, when you look at it, there were guys picked in the second round and third round that you and I liked. I mean, we didn't dislike them by any means, but we were surprised to see them go as early as they did. And then there were guys that we liked a lot that. I mean, you mentioned Jenkins uh, and Marshall, the big two, I would say, that that just fell. And so you you have to assume, and you know that's the best we can do, is that the NFL was just too worried to to take chances on guys that they couldn't get these medical checks, either initial or rechecks, or they didn't feel comfortable with what happened to them. Um, and so from that perspective, you see guys, you know, that played well at all-star games that maybe didn't have the same careers as as these other guys, but they were available at the all-star games. They met with the teams and they they basically were able to sell themselves to te- the teams. And for that reason, they were successful. Yeah, you have to feel pretty bad about Terrace Marshall's medical history to have him drafted after Dwayne Eskridge from Western Michigan, a guy who's going to be a 24-year-old rookie. He played corner one year. He played receiver this year. He's got definitely got a lot of speed, but he's undersized. And Seattle picks him with Terrace Marshall still on the board. And that brings me to this tweet that I saw by Peter Schrager today, and it kind of reinforces something that I – I was thinking that was going through my mind and I was texting people about on Friday night last week. He says, he tweets here, 41% of the players selected in the NFL draft were senior bowl participants, 106 players overall, I think out of 259, right? Tremendous number for senior bowl and director Jim Nagy as well as, and he, he goes on to thank the uh, NFL network staff that covered it. 106 players from the Senior Bowl, and it seemed like on day two especially, a lot of these Senior Bowl guys were flying off. And we'll talk about those guys a little bit more when we talk about reaches and values. But uh, it really felt like the NFL leaned heavily on 
what they saw at the Senior Bowl this year. And I think that a lot of that has to do with the uh, being able to only send a limited number of scouts to games during the during the regular season. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that the actual combine and the other All-Star games were all canceled. So you have um, a lot of players picked from this Senior Bowl. And, and I think they were also talking about the college football, uh, the Gridiron Showcase that's down in Texas. They had an event down there where players worked out in person. And those guys were a lot of the late-round picks that we saw. When you look at day two and three picks, what were some of the biggest reaches and the best values that you saw um, from these picks? So I'm going to stick with the, the receivers on day two when I talk about reaches. And Tutu Atwell at 57 overall, I think he went to the Rams, right? Yeah. Tutu Atwell weighed 149 pounds at his pro day. That's less than any receiver I can remember. And I remember J.J. Nelson that, that went to your Cardinals. He weighed about 150, I think 158 or so. So it was even lighter and, than J.J. That, Nelson. And that was, I think, the fifth round. And also Nelson was about a tenth of a second faster then Tutu Atwell ran at his pro day. Now Atwell posted himself weighing in at 160 prior to the draft. So he had put on some pounds, but still very light, very slim receiver and didn't have that. Uh, Nelson had ran a 428. Atwell's about 439 at his pro day. And some people had him, I think, 437. But that was a that was a reach for me going in the top 60. Again, with Terrace Marshall on the board still, very curious pick to me. And the other one goes to what what the other reach that I have is goes to what I was talking about with the Senior Bowl, and that's Josh Palmer, the receiver from Tennessee, going at seventy seven overall to the L.A. Chargers. I thought Marshall was just just okay at the Senior Bowl. He certainly didn't really stick out to me. And he, he wasn't a, a highly productive player. Now, you're always going to get the excuses with guys like this. Um, he, he didn't have a good quarterback to play with. He, he you know, there are many receivers that, that can use that excuse, and there were better ones that I think it, you could make that excuse for that they have better tape and better numbers, like Nico Collins. So I, I didn't really like that pick at all. Um, for the Chargers, but again, I think they were leaning heavily on what they saw at those practices with that Senior Bowl. Yeah, and I mean, when you look at the way the board fell, I was surprised how players ended up coming off. Um, you know, and again, I think you're right. I think a lot of this had to do with with senior bowl week and, and, or these all-star games and, and guys feeling comfortable. I want to jump to the other side and talk about kind of real value picks. And one that I hate, and just because now as an Arizona Cardinal fan, I'm gonna have to deal with him in the division. A guy we talked about um, in our defensive line previews, Bobby Brown, the third going to the Los Angeles Rams. I, I mean, that's, really good value in the fourth round 
to come from Tutu Atwell to, to Bobby Brown to kind of like change up that um, dynamic. And now you go from a, you know, an incredibly um, small and, and yes, very fast player to now you're getting a guy that's a power player at a, at a big size that can, that's got a little juice to him too. Man, you have to, I, I love that fit in their defense and I'm not surprised he came off the board after the names that went before him. Um, but to see him fall to that top of the fourth round, uh, I, I was a little bit surprised about, were you? I guess, I guess I probably wasn't surprised, but I had him rated higher than that. I, I compared him on one of our Patreon episodes. I, physically, he reminded me of Chris Jones and he didn't have quite that much success as a pass rusher, but he led the team in sacks this year. And so I really thought that Bobby Brown, the third was a great, really great value pick there. I mean, that's a player I probably would have picked a round or two earlier. And then one of the guys that you and I uh, talked about with, with Soli, and I think he ended up in just a, a phenomenal place and, and everybody is going to, again, question, how did Ben Cleveland end up in Baltimore? Well, that's because Baltimore just, they run a system that allows for these massive guys that maybe they don't, aren't as athletic, but they, they're able to do incredible things with the talent that they get and putting them in a, in the right spot. And, and Cleveland at the end of the third round, um, I thought was a, a great value pick and a great scheme fit type of pick for Baltimore. And he's going to end up being the guy that people go, you know, that in four year or five years after he's a free agent, they sign him to a, you know, a, a five year, $30 million contract and then cut him after two years. Cause they're like, well, it's not working like it did in Baltimore. Right. I mean, we might see this with Orlando Brown, who just got traded to, to Kansas City for a first-round pick. Good player, but now he's, he's going to be playing left tackle for a very different type of, of uh, offensive yeah. <laughs> system, right? And, um, you know, Sully has talked about it. I know he's tweeting about it, too. Uh, he likes the player in Orlando Brown, but he wonders how he's going to be able to do blocking for a guy like Mahomes, who who does a lot of uh, works a lot on the fly, does a lot of creating, is is uh, Orlando Brown athletic enough to stay with his guy while Mahomes is busy creating space for himself and trying to make a play downfield? Um, I've got a couple of value guys of my own. Uh, Paulson Adebo was a corner that we liked a lot, and he went in the third round to New Orleans. We had uh, Joseph Osai was one of my favorite edge players in this draft i thought he was a first round pick he ends up going to cincinnati in the third round and then uh defensive lineman davion nixon goes to carolina in the fifth round i thought he was a day two player as well and apparently there may have been some off-field concerns it's very you you can't really find anything about any uh, about anything nixon might have done 
on the internet. So you just have to, I mean, there's some rumor and innuendo out there, but that must have been what pushed him down the down the way into the fifth round, and he ends up with Carolina. Great situation for him. Uh, they get a good player who's going to probably be a starter down the road. Uh, did you have any reaches that you want to talk about? Yeah, the first one I want to discuss was at cornerback, and we just we talked about it a little bit on our, our first-round review show, but I, I was shocked to see Eric Stokes go that early. I know we're talking more second or day two and day three guys but I, I i was honestly shocked to see eric stokes go in the first round um even at the back end like he's such a a track athlete right now it and wasn't the gamble on kevin king being this like uber athlete that they could develop that he never really developed wasn't that shouldn't that have been a a sign? I don't know. Maybe maybe yeah. I'm off on. No, I was on just it. gonna I just, say. I don't like, love it. I was just gonna say like that. Green Bay fans are are so fed up with with King, and now you get this other guy who has great athleticism and he tests really well, but he he's grabby, and he's probably gonna have growing pains and, and commit some penalties early on, and it's got to be frustrating to be a Green Bay fan with. All the things that are going on. Aaron Rodgers is, is wants to be traded apparently, and he's not happy with the picks that they're making. He wants more say in personnel, and then they make a pick like Stokes that that just has him. I'm sure it has Aaron Rodgers already like filling out the paperwork, a, a plan for that Jeopardy hosting gig. And then my other one, and I don't know if it's a reach, uh, you know. I go back and forth on on how you define a reach, but I was really surprised. Well, well, uh, we define a reach when uh, somebody's picked earlier than we ranked them, right? right. But <laughs> I, I, I'm really surprised that the kid out of Iowa State was the I think fifth running back taken, Kene in Gagwe, and I'm sure I mispronounced that name, so I apologize, but I mispronounced everybody's <laughs> name. Um, so, no, sorry, he was running back six off the board. Um, right. In the fourth round, fourth, I, I mean, I guess day he goes, three running he goes backs. Right ahead. Just kind of, yeah, he goes right ahead yeah. of Ramondre Stevenson, and he goes ahead of Chuba Hubbard in that in that same round. And then later you got, like, uh, Larry yeah. Roundtree and, and right. uh, Kenny Gainwell goes, goes later. Yeah. So I think that was a surprise to a lot of people. It's like the Vikings basically drafted a kick returner in the fourth round. Right. So I was, and that's what, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, if you, I know Corderell Patterson did so much for them as a, as a return man. And so I don't hate the, pick itself i just feel like you're hoping he turns into more right than just being a return man if you're gonna draft him fourth overall or not fourth but in the fourth round yeah it's it's kind of been the vikings mo to to draft guys like that like um when they took Jarek mckinnon who had played quarterback in college and just had like out of this world testing and that's the same idea with this guy. And um, I'm going to try and pronounce his name correctly, just just so we have one of each. I think it's Kenny Nwangwu. So 
it's the same kind of idea as with McKinnon. You've got Nwangwu, who he backed up uh, David Montgomery, he backed up Brees Hall, and he was primarily a return man. That was his main role at Iowa State. But he tested through the roof. And and not only have they had McKinnon, they've brought in um, Mike Boone was another guy they had for a couple of years in in reserves. So they like to target those ultra-athletic spark sparky type of uh, running backs for various roles, whether it's for backup or for special teams. So, but it is a surprise to see, see him. It's, this is akin, you know, it's a little bit better than taking a long snapper in the fifth round, but it's, to me, it's akin to that because you're just taking a specialist. And, um, you know, I guess the difference is that he potentially could gain a role on the offense, but he wasn't able to do that at Iowa state, which is like a second tier, Big 12 school, so I, I'm skeptical that he's ever able to have any kind of role. If you play dynasty fantasy football, I wouldn't spend a pick on on a guy who I, I think is going to be primarily returning kicks. Right, and I mean, and how often are kicks even returned these days? Right, and and this isn't to say he's unworthy of being drafted or like we're just talking value in in a pick, and so we're just surprised to see. Uh, again, to see kind of a guy that profiles as a potential elite return man um, go in, in round four. But you know what? If he ends up being, and that's incredibly high praise, but if he ends up being close to Corderell Patterson, then, then obviously it was worth the pick, right? Sure. I mean, then you're getting a, a, a first-round guy in the fourth round, but it took a lot of time for that pick to really I'm, I'm not sure Patterson ever lived up to his draft slot despite how great he's been as a return man it the value is limited just be, based on the role I mean this guy's clearly a world-class athlete but the value is is limited based on the role and the projected role so maybe they have more in mind for him but I'm I'm skeptical of almost any running back that's picked after day two uh, ever carving out like a really significant role even though people say running backs don't matter, you can just find a guy. Every team isn't the '90s Denver Broncos that just you know finds guys in the sixth round every year. That's not really how it works. Any any other reaches or values you want to talk about? No, we can just uh, we can get to to. I think you had a hot take for us, right? Yeah, we have one hot take tonight uh, to kind of finish up the show and. And it's a conversation to have because, um, first off, uh, Dalton Miller, um, at Dalton B. Miller on the tweets, discussed that, um, I'm going to butcher this name too, if Yatu Melifonwu doesn't doesn't go top 50 i'll take a four horseman shot live on youtube um i believe he's doing that we're recording on monday i believe he's doing that tonight on monday um so you you look now to to be fair to dalton he tweeted this in february but i think that goes back to kind of what we discussed in the hot takes of moments then then you have to go back and look at how 
it landed or how the take itself landed and it didn't land uh Malifanu went pick 101 i believe is that correct correct he went 51 picks after the top 50 um and it's interesting that you mentioned the timing on that tweet too uh early february early mid-february very shortly after the senior bowl where he was getting some run he was getting some run from the analysts after senior bowl practices so um you know dalton probably watched some of that senior bowl tape himself but you know i think we've talked about this year as a senior bowl goes we may not have had the best overall crop so some guys might have looked better in senior bowl practices than they really were against it had had some of the other top prospects been there now i don't when you look at it one it was obviously a hot take that's what the whole thing was for um and so we're going back i don't we're not trying to roast him but it no, is a conversation i, I don't know that, what four horsemen is but i i don't think you you tweet something like that and say you're going to do this shot of something to i mean probably is pretty it sounds scary if you're not trying to do a hot take right right exactly so but <laughs> it's so, like when people tweet something go fight me like yeah. they know it's hot so a uh, four horsemen is uh jim beam uh jack daniels johnny walker and jose cuervo in one shot so oh man that i'm too old sounds, for that Seth. <laughs> sounds like sounds like heartburn more than anything but um when you look at just the conversations and and i i wanted in the free episode with this because We've talked about this before. When you get into the overall, um, the overall rankings, and it's it's an instant gratification, hot takey um, society. Obviously, we we make fun of it all the time. It's part of the reason we do the segment. That you know and. Miller wasn't doing this as a ranking, but you know, if you have Melifonu as a top 50 player and he goes one one it doesn't mean you were wrong in your evaluation of him. You're wrong in your evaluation of what the NFL may have thought of him, but that didn't mean, doesn't mean you're wrong. It also isn't time to dunk on somebody that like if, for instance, I know, um, our buddy uh, Emory Hunt, I believe he had Michael Carter as running back two. Was that correct? Right. He had uh, he had Carter running back two, and I get I think he ends up being running back five, right? Yeah, and so he's five off the board. But if Carter ends up being you know the second or third best running back in this class, it, Emory was correct. Just because he wasn't taking second doesn't mean Emory was wrong. So the evaluation of it in and of itself is of the long term you're putting yourself out there in the short term to make this uh you know to make this ranking and hoping that you're correct and and i mean let's be honest dalton probably just wanted to have a drink you know that it's a good way to get yourself <laughs> it's a good way to get yourself a nice little buzz on that but i mean you know the the, the old adage is that you uh, wait three years to assess a draft we can't do that anymore we can't do that anymore because we see first round players getting cut or traded after the first year 
the NFL is much more under this new salary structure. They're much more quick to move on from what they think are mistakes after a year or two. So the three-year thing isn't isn't uh, what it used to be. But it, but you're right. We can't just judge it based on where a guy's picked. We've got to at least wait till they play some games or maybe don't play some games like Isaiah Wilson because they're just that big of a disaster of a pick. So we'll see where uh, Mel Flamu ends up. His brother didn't fare too well based on where he was drafted. But now that Mel Fonwu's gone at pick 101, he doesn't have those kind of expectations. So he could end up being a success for where he was picked. You know, so when you, that's another component of this. We, now we have the draft, what the fantasy guys call the draft capital. And we can compare that to how their careers pan out. And, and we might see some different stories develop over the next couple of years. Anything else tonight before we get out of here? No, just going to let everyone know we're still going to be producing uh, shows, content throughout the off season. We're going to talk about why our scouting sucks, an old segment that dates back to the old show. We'll get some guests on. We're, we'll talk more about how some teams did in their overall drafts. We'll uh, preview college teams throughout the summer and write write up some articles about uh, some team previews that'll go on the Patreon. So go uh, every week. I post it in the show notes on iTunes. You can click the link. You can subscribe to our Patreon there. $2 gets you the extra bonus show each week. $4 gets you all additional content. And uh, we'll be doing our college previews on Patreon. So that's going to be key to help you get started on your drafted vows for next season. So uh, as always, thanks everybody for listening. Thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks for helping us make our comeback for this very weird 2021 draft. But we appreciate all of you listening and I hope everyone has a great week. What do you guys think for the outro for now? Um, I mean... I don't know yet. We pro- we might be able to record something. We can for now we could do um